Welcome to SaaS Reality, a podcast where two budding founders talk about their businesses. Join Simon and Dean to find out what it really takes to build, launch, and run a SaaS product. Morning, Dean. Morning, Simon. How you doing? Not too bad at all. Um, yeah, uh, emotional week. Um, so funeral tomorrow, so things will start to get back to normal and should free up a lot more time. Last three years have been quite intensive with care for the wife's mum. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, should get a lot of time back. Not that that's a particularly good thing for the reason, but it's a good thing in that uh, I should be able to crack on more. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't feel guilty for that. but No, no. How about you? You had a good week, I think. I've had an absolutely smashing week. <laughs> I have to look through the log, but I feel like I've just smashed so much stuff off the uh, like the to-do list. It's it's quite insane. I've got text-based emails. We talked about this last week, so you can now send rich emails with templates, or you can send text email or plain emails that look like just you sent them from your outbox. When I added that, I improved the previewing of emails that you've sent. Mm-hmm. So it now shows you as the template that was sent, and um, if it was plain, it shows properly. So it uses an iframe, so I'm not sure if it's the best method, but it does seem to work. Yeah, your Twitter's been on fire with all the gifts yeah. and everything. It's, it's been really good to see. I'll get to that one last, actually. I did time zones, tons of bug fixes, legal fixes. I realized I didn't have any terms and conditions or privacy policy on the website. All right, yeah. So I hastily did that the day after I applied to the Stroke Partners program. I thought, oh, no, they're going to want to see that, aren't they? Oh, of course, <laughs> yes. Quickly got that. But luckily these days, I feel like you can get 90% of the way there with just a few services online. Mm-hmm. And then the big one I did this week with help from people in MakerLog and on Twitter was a lot of improvement with writing emails. Yeah. So when you're in a workflow, let's say customer created, and you create an email, it now pre-populates that with an example of a welcome email. So kind of gets you a lot of the way there. Yeah, good. I've added documentation underneath to explain how liquid works and how to do conditions, how to format dates correctly, depending on how you want to do them. But then the best thing I did this week was it's a markdown editor for emails. And I added a button that when you click, it shows you all of the metadata or all of the attributes that you can use, depending on what type of email it is. So if it's a customer welcome it will show you a tab for the event, which will have all of the data that was part of that Stripe day event. So you can just click on one and it'll automatically put it into the email like customer.name. Yeah, that was brilliant. We also scan the customer's metadata. So if you've used in the past, let's say on your one, AWS Connected, it will scan that and be part of like a, a list that you can select. It's just like infinitely easier to use. And I've kind of got away with not having to write as much documentation. <laughs> so self-explanatory now. <laughs> Which is the best way, really. Isn't Reduce it? the docs. <laughs> Reduce <yeah>. the docs. <laughs> I'm so happy with the feature and how well it works. It looks really sweet, actually. Yeah, I'll just kind of explain a bit more what that looks like. It's a way to automatically insert placeholders into your email templates, isn't That's it? That's a better way of wording it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you want customer... First name, customer, surname, things like that. You can just press a button and get a pop-up list of all the placeholders you can put into your templates for emails. Yep. Click on one Um, and it automatically inserts it for you. You don't have to remember billing dot 
card number or billing dot expiry date or no. subscription dot plan name thing things like that they're all just point and click now yeah and it looks really really good there's a few things i want to add i want to add like conditions on clicks so if you want to have like a block about whether they've got a card or not make that really easy just to click yeah whether they have one or not but yeah so it's so much easier to use now and i love the fact we scan customers metadata now as well mm, so if you brilliant. use metadata for the first time it'll add to that list for the next time you come to use it ah, all of the events cool. are documented now so like um the previous data on events is really useful mm. as well as the new data. So it'll now tell you what that is per workflow type. So it's, it's just so much better. <laughs> yeah. I'm just very impressed with that. I've used uh, a few email tools uh, with that sort of stuff before. And I don't know, they've always seemed really clunky from what I've seen of yours. It looks really smooth. So oh, I'm, I'm glad it's just, I just, it makes sense for me, but even like, even me adding that in now, it's been so much easier to write emails. Because mm. it's like I know where the metadata is, but there's no it's so much easier to do. Yeah, so I'm so happy. <laughs> the pre-populating as well is such a key thing, small detail, but absolutely key because people don't want to have to type everything from scratch. You presented with a blank text box, and you think, oh, "What do I write?" Yeah, um, if someone's got uh, a pre-populated one there that they can just quickly change to suit that. It's just so much easier yeah. for the customer to do that. And in a sense, you don't even need to open the dynamic placeholder stuff because all the relevant ones I put in that example email for you to just sort of chop and change. Yeah, exactly. It's get everybody up and running really quickly and then the advanced users can dig in and play about with the other stuff. The one thing that's missing is previewing. Right. And that is going to be difficult. <laughs> I can preview... Once I know the customer, but to guess the customer data is a bit of a problem, but mm. I guess I'll, I'll come back to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's looking really, really good. It's going to, it's going to be a stand apart thing. I think that one. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really impressed with that as yeah. Just seeing it evolve over the last two, three weeks has just been awesome. So that's me. I feel like I'm a bit of a high, really. I'm trying to keep, keep, <laughs> keep going with feature development, which we can get onto in a little bit. But dare I ask how your week was? Um, pretty slow, actually, but in a good way. The day job's been really busy. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of personal stuff to deal with uh, and a lot of ups and downs emotionally. Won't go into the details on here, but yeah, it's not been easy organizing everything for the funeral. Mm. So it's it's not left a lot of time to actually crack on with anything but it has given me a bit of head time which has been good yeah and uh funnily enough i've been reading a book on product positioning <laughs> which is uh, a good one for today anyway given something that you want to talk about mm -hmm. and it's just made me just sit down and think what is my product for who is it for what's it about started to do some rough wireframes because i think i'm so used to working with wireframes it's been, you know, I've, I've got all my proof of concept stuff now, pulling stuff from the API. Yeah. I need something to build against. It's, it's just something that I've been doing for so many years that without it, I'm floundering a bit. So I'm going to sit down and just map out the one or two pages of the application. It's a, pretty much going to be a single page app mm -hmm. for the launch functionality and um, just get that wire framed up in Balsamic really quickly. Focus on getting the landing page done 
and being able to write a blog before I do any more coding now. Okay. Yeah, just go for it. Just thinking about the data that I'm collecting, how I want to present it, what are the key indicators that my customers are going to want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in a position where it's useful for your work as well, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. It will be a tool that I use personally. So you can get basically 90% or maybe 90% of the way there. Yeah. The thing is, last few weeks with personal stuff happening, it's been whenever I could snatch an hour or two, just diving in and doing this little bit of code or adding to that feature. And I've not really been thinking through things properly. So this last week and a half, two weeks, probably a bit <laughs> a bit longer now, uh, has just helped focus me a bit, given me some headspace. And I think that's a good lesson as well in that um, when you're in the thick of it and it's not really going as well as you want to, mm. just maybe just downing tools for a couple of days, walking away two or three days, doing something else, go and play with a dog or and play tennis or... I've been painting do, bedrooms. <laughs> yeah, paint bedrooms, do something just to switch your head off from it. And you'll find that it creeps in anyway as you're doing something mundane or... <laughs> Uh, just switches your head off and yeah, things come to you. It's been a good thing, really. I think I'm much more focused now. So hmm. we'll see how it goes. You've got a plan. Yeah, sort of. Uh, I've got some time at the weekend, not much because we're going to have a house full of family. A couple of days in London, Monday, Tuesday. So I think uh, Wednesday onwards is really going to be a change. Hmm. I'm hoping so anyway. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Sounds good. Life and all that, you know. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> I look forward to seeing the landing page. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's underway actually. It's my yeah, catchphrase. Just been, <laughs> just been playing about with um, bits and pieces, and some of the text that I wrote originally to drop into it. It's not the the messaging and the text and the stories. I find really easy. Mm. It's the HTML and CSS that uh, oh. are my weakest areas, honestly. So. I've got like the opposite problem about positioning. Yeah. Trying to just trying to work out what what I'm trying to be. If I'm trying to be the churn tool, the onboarding tool, mm. the customer message tool. Yeah, that was the feature I, I forgot to mention that really I think really changed things. Is you can now condition workflows based on people's metadata. So if you set on your Stripe customer that the um, piece of metadata saying AWS connected. Mm-hmm. In your workflows now, you can now do a check for that value. Is it equal, not equal, exists, doesn't exist, greater than, less than, whatever. And then condition your like onboarding workflows based on what that metadata is. Right, cool. Nice. So I feel like that was a feature I wanted, which I was going to do with a whole API and you'd have to send me the data. But I've got like 90% of the way there with just doing it with the Stripe metadata. Mm-hmm. But yeah, where's the position of the product? Is it a tool for churn recovery? Is it a tool for onboarding? Is it a tool for broadcast messaging? Is it all of them? <laughs> Is it just just a tool for SaaS companies using Stripe? Well, the, the answer is yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading um, Obviously Awesome by April Dunford, who's a positioning expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, started that probably best part of a week ago it's not a, a huge read and but it's one of those that you read through you hit a certain point that really resonates and you continue reading but nothing else is going in really because you stuck back at that particular point <laughs> so although i've pretty much read the book i'm still probably a third of the way through in my head mm. she outlines 
five components to positioning. Right. So quickly meta cover these. So competitive alternatives. Okay. Mm -hmm. What would your customer's solution be if you didn't exist? If your product didn't exist, what would your customers use as a solution? So they're your real alternatives. It's not necessarily thinking about, oh, I'm like Churnbuster or I'm like this or that. It's like, just sit down and think, right, okay, my customers, what are they doing now that my problem mm-hmm. solves? So I feel like I have some answers to those questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, in, in the book, she says, um, most of the time, people don't know about your competitors. Yes. So most of the time, your positioning against general business software like spreadsheets and manual processes so sometimes you have to take a step back and sort of like think well okay am i going too deep because i'm trying to fight off germ buster or cloudability or whoever when really what you need to do is think about if your customers are already with germ buster or cloudability you're not necessarily looking to take away customers from them but you're looking for those customers that have yet to find a solution and are doing something like manual processes. That's normally the sign of a company who's doing really big or really well funded when you Google a competitor and their ad comes up at the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So that, I found that really interesting. And um, she talks about context as well. I'll go into that a bit more detail. I'll just quickly cover these five components of positioning. Unique attributes. This is number two. These are the mm-hmm. features and capabilities that you have, but the alternative solutions lack. Now, alternative solutions isn't necessarily your competitors, but it's the, so if somebody's doing manual process in their spreadsheet, uh, yeah, yeah. what features and capabilities can you offer? What benefits can you offer that, uh, or yeah, features and ca- capabilities that uh, that process doesn't? It could be a delivery model, i.e. it's cloud-based, or it could be that some of your unique attributes are your expertise and authority in that field. Or it could be that you've just got a, a one-page simple app against a complex bloatware app like yeah. Cloudability. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yeah. So I'm already thinking, you know, I'm going for the simplistic idea that my product is much simpler. It does laser-focused job on finding unused, underutilized, and um, services in your AWS account and analyzes your reserved instances mm-hmm. to see if you need any more. So yeah. that's, that's all I'm doing now. So th- okay. this book and the headspace has sort of helped me focus in on that. That's good. That's the third, third component is value mm-hmm. and proof of that value. So the benefit that your features enable for your customers. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, sometimes quoting directly from the book here, but some of it isn't. Um, so, uh, so the value is why one of your or why someone cares about your unique attributes. So why would somebody care that my product is simple? Well, it might be that it's cheaper. It might be that it's easier to use. It might be that it's quicker to use. It might be that they've just got one job to catch these rogue services. They're only spending up to 30, 40 grand a month. So Mm -hmm. their cost management needs are fairly basic. But with that value, you've got to be able to prove it as well. Yeah. So it's got to be fact-based. That was an interesting one. Of course, the common, most common thing for that is testimonials, isn't it? You know, get social proof. Mm-hmm. Case studies, again, they, they kind of fall under the value component. Um, 
I need to get some customers first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, Awesome is really targeted or positioned, <laughs> is really positioned at companies <laughs> who do have customers and are yep. looking to reposition to improve on that. But there is a lot of takeaways in here. And I, I immediately thought there's one section where it said you have customers that really love you, but when you're trying to get new customers, they don't get it. Yeah. And I know a friend of ours from Mega Maker, Hi Val, has been struggling with that with Claritask. So I've recommended he get this book as well, because I think it'll help oh, okay. him out. Yeah, so quickly, target market is number four. Uh, what are the characteristics of the group of buyers and what really lead them to care about the value you deliver. So that's, that's I think, where you are at the moment. You're struggling with yeah. who do I target and what am I? Tell you what, the, the simplest way to explain what I'm struggling with is when someone asks what's automatically, answering without it being like three paragraphs of text. Yeah. That's what I'm kind of struggling with, getting it like a concise, this is what we do. Mm. And that's, it's kind of difficult to explain. On a broad sense, it's just like, you've got a Stripe account, you run a SaaS product, we can handle all of your email communications. Yeah. Um, that's very generic. <laughs> the thing that has really hit me in this book, and it's, it's mentioned fairly early on, which is why I'm only in my head mm. probably a third of the way through, even though I've read it all is context and automatic yeah. assumptions from that context. So what context are you presenting your solution in to your customers? So for example, if you, if you had a product and you said, oh, right, it's a CRM, mm -hmm. you immediately have context because it's known and you immediately associate your product or your customers will immediately associate your CRM product with things like HubSpot and Salesforce. Yes. But is that the right context that you're giving? And that's that's something that you need to noodle through, really. Mm. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm not for saying the, it's easy. I'm just saying. <laughs> for the lazy SaaS owner, he can't be able to do the emails. <laughs> you benefit probably a basic three different target markets, I think. So without customers, I would say you need to throw the pasta at the wall and see what sticks. Try, yeah. and, try and get some of each. I've got two potentials at the moment, potential customers, and they're both waiting on different features. Yeah. So one wants broadcast notifications. So you can segment out your list, you, you know, your um, Stripe customers, and then send uh, like an email to all of them. Like, for example, we have a new feature, blah, 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 or we've got a discount on our next plan if you upgrade today, etc. Hmm. And then I've got somebody else who is using Chambusters, but is not happy with it. But the one feature that they wouldn't want to lose is the hosted card forms that Chambuster offers, mm -hmm. which is something that was always on the roadmap for um, Automaily. Okay. So I've got these two companies. They're both equal value in terms of if they were to join. They both have features that were on the roadmap. Maybe the hosted card form was slightly higher. The broadcasting one I've been talking to for a lot longer, and I, I kind of feel like I owe it to them because I've been talking about it. They've been evaluating Intercom. They want to move away from Intercom. So that's there. It's also probably a little bit easier to develop than the card form because that involves hosted forms, mm -hmm. dealing with SSL certificates on domains that I don't own, et cetera, et cetera. So... Mm. 
However, that one's probably like a more valuable feature to people. So, I mean, we're talking like weeks here, either way, but I've just like, I've probably spent my day thinking about which one I do first. <laughs> and then I've got the broadcasting one waits on. I've got to wait for Postmark to get back to me about some clarification about what's marketing, what's transactional, what their new API about bulk email right. supports. Yeah. So there's some like, Blockers there. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't know. Yeah, um, I'll just any, do both in parallel, keep them happy. <laughs> and anything that doesn't go to a single person, I would say, is bulk email, really, isn't it? But uh, oh no, no, um, they, it was clarification about the point. So if you send a welcome email to someone, and then three days later you send them an email saying, "Oh, you haven't connected your AWS account." Well, does that email class as a marketing one, or is it still purely transactional? Oh, right, yeah. That's, and that's, yeah, that's a grey area. It is a bit, isn't it? Yes. So I'm going to have to add SES support for that uh-huh. pretty quick. I'm not too worried, like, immediately, but because the volume is so low. But um, but they've got a new API that they're testing for bulk sending, which is kind of in this grey area of what's marketing, what's just transactional emails that are fluffed up. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for them to get back to me on that. That's like a blocker. (laughs) (laughs) Well, part of this number four target market characteristics, right, is the context stuff was more about the market category, which is the last point. But uh, if you think about a core feature of Automaily, it's Mm -hmm. automatic handling of communications to your customers Mm -hmm. when they have failed payments and card expiries. Yes. And... That's what's stuck in my head with Automaily. I know you do the onboarding emails as well, but they're all based around Stripe events. Yeah. So what was the first part of that before you added the, you said, when I think of Automaily as a tool for? Automatic handling yep. of communication emails. emails. Yep. I don't know, you'll have to listen back. It's coming. Yeah. So yeah um, that's what I think it's like automatic handling of emails around Stripe events. Now, whether you want to use that for card recovery or onboarding, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It does both. Yeah. So. What are the characteristics of your target market? Those that have, we, we, we talked about this before, I think, on the pricing mm-hmm. episodes. Are you better having a company with a smaller amount of customers where a churn or an, a failed payment has more impact? Or would you say a customer that has many customers of their own and quite a high level of churn, but maybe each churn is a smaller nine ninety nine a month impact instead of a forty nine a month impact. Yeah, it's all based on the like the actual dollar amount of churn percentage mm-hmm. at the end of the month, like whether it's a lot of customers or not. Um, however, that works is all down to just like the net churn at the end of the month. So that's the actual the important thing. Yeah, so it doesn't really matter either way. The thing I've discovered after talking to customers is um, it more depends on what type of SaaS product it is to see how relevant it is. Mm. So for Snapshooter, it's quite a passive product. Once you set it up, you leave it. And um, if a card fails, it's harder to get someone to come back because they're not in there every day trying Mm. to use it. Where some people I've talked to, they've got very interactive products. Like if GitHub had a price fault, they lock you out. and That's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to hurt, right? So you're either going to put your card in or you're going to write off the product. There's no real need to do a big sequence for getting them to add their card back. Yeah. They're, they need that product mm-hmm. every day. Where you could argue you need Snapshot every day, but it's not in your face. So that is more my definition target now. But okay. I guess 
I guess that's who are target marketing wise, but yeah, it's people who have sort of a high percentage of net churn a month. Yeah, well, that's good. You've identified a target market characteristic there. So Yeah, so I'm not sure whether your product would class as if it's more passive. Yeah, I think, it, I think it is. I think it's going to end up, certainly in its first incarnation, I think it will end up a bit like uh, Snapshooter. It's going to be quite passive mm-hmm. because if we do find anything, you put it on autopilot and it monitors your AWS accounts. Mm-hmm. And if it finds anything, it will send you alerts. So, yeah. yeah, I guess you could send an alert with everything grayed out. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it will okay. be an alert to say, we found something, log into your account mm-hmm. to see what it is, sort of. Yeah. Thing, so. Okay. So, yeah, it's just interesting. I've got two customers in the pipeline and they're both coming from different parts of view. One is coming from like the intercom point of view with mm-hmm. the email communications and upselling and stuff. And then one's coming from just, they just, they're happy with intercom. They don't want to leave that, but they're not happy with the churn recovery system. Right. So I got both. Look I know it's only a sample size of two, yeah. and no, neither of them are paying. Looking at it without uh, any emotional attachment to uh, <laughs> those people that have asked for those features, I would say whichever one is going to help you get your first paying customers quicker is the uh, one to do. To do first. To f- yeah. Because at the moment, that is what you need. You need somebody to start using it, mm-hmm. and somebody to start paying you, and you need those testimonials and case studies. Yep. It's interesting to talk about positioning. This week, someone has started, I would say, a 95% clone of Snapshooter. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> With a 95% clone lookalike of uh, DigitalOcean from what I saw. <laughs> uh, yeah, their logo is um, has a strong resemblance yeah. to DigitalOcean. I wonder if they will get a message from DigitalOcean saying, please change that logo. Mm. It's it's the same color. It's the same style. You've got this. Got even got the same word in. No, oh, I didn't look. Didn't look too deep at that. I just uh, yeah saw this. Saw the site and thought, ooh, that's a bit close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I haven't had a login and look around, but um, it's just interesting. I get. I subscribe to the DigitalOcean community stuff. So anytime someone adds a product, a download. Every time someone adds a backup product or asks backup question i get a notification right cool so i just saw that come through and i was like wait a minute (laughs) Mm. well it's market value they they do have a feature on top of me though so it's interesting whether Mm. i should add that feature to compete or if that's petty i don't know (laughs) Mm. i think i know the one you're talking about i would say no for the moment until you know what's happening with automaly and see if it starts to have an impact on you. Yeah, what if it's the focus or not, yeah. I mean, if it starts to cause customers I, to drift away, then... I wouldn't have started Snapshooter today knowing what DigitalOcean is potentially going to release in the next six months. Perhaps they don't know. Perhaps. I don't know. They, they could have been working on the product for a year. I've only looked at their landing page. I haven't really, uh, I haven't really been delving into them. Right, okay. Who knows? They people don't necessarily get those relationships in place like you have mm. with DigitalOcean at the moment because you talk to them. You, yeah, you know, you know a couple of people there, don't you? So, yeah, just keep an eye on them. <laughs> it's funny. I know somebody else who is also in the space of DigitalOcean backups. They do other services as well. I wouldn't say we're good friends, but we're like associates and we've talked to each other and we've 
we we basically started within a month of each other, mm-hmm. and we were both having a look at this product. <laughs> 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 I have to invite them into the group. Keep your competitors yeah. close. <laughs> yeah, yeah, easier to stab it in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, only kidding. Well, it's market validation unless they use the existence of Snapshooter to validate the market. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, it is uh, of a limited size, I guess, the Snapshooter market. Yeah. But still fairly large. You, you need to get a bigger slice of it. Yeah, it's difficult to match your market too. Mm. Difficult to find people who are in the right space on the right provider ready to use mm. Snapshooter if they're yeah. not literally searching for DigitalOcean backups. Luckily, I like own that space on Google at the moment. Yeah, you're doing well with that. Yeah. Cool. I think we should probably wrap that up. Can you just give me the name of that book again? I'm sure we'll put it in the show notes. But... Yeah, obviously awesome by April Dunford. Let's hope that they have the audio version. <laughs> uh, she's not got an audio book yet. Oh, no, I'm not reading a book. <laughs> um, but actually, it's been quite nice sitting down and I've been taking notes as I've gone. Oh. And I tweeted out last night a picture of it, I, <laughs> like a dozen post-it notes stuck in the pages for bookmarks. I've not done that for years. Oh, I'm just not the... I absorb a book a lot better if it's read to me. Yeah, I've emailed April for the templates that she's shown and mentioned in the book as well. So um, okay. I can pass those on. But yeah, I have prompted her a couple of times for, to do an audio book. Uh, we'll see. Cool. All right. I think we should just wrap that up then. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the SAS Reality podcast. Why not head over to sasreality.com and become part of our Slack community? You can send us questions and comments to podcast at sasreality.com and we'll do our best to answer them and talk about your points. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate ratings and reviews. And I know we actually have a question for next week, don't we? We we got it this week, but we didn't really get time. Yeah, we need more reviews. Please review us. Please review, yeah. <laughs> but we do have a listener question to answer next week, so it'd be nice if we get some more. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, so if you do have questions, just podcast at sasreality.com. Brilliant. Cheers. Cheers, Dean. Bye. Bye.